to think we were, we were alike. I mean, we were similar. We had something together, like this. You know what I mean? We thought alike, we felt the same way. But you, fuck you. Tonight, um, I realized how much of just like a disgusting piece of shit I am. Did you look in the mirror? Ah, oh! uh, you're so funny. Yep. You're so funny. What happened? Uh, I ate a piece of uh, pecan pie for dinner. <laughs> you're just, actually, you're just living this sort of like completely indulgent, horrific life. You're like the Baron Harkonnen. Yeah, I feel awful. Yeah, like, bring it to me. Bring me more. No, you know what? You know what I've realized? Like, I've been eating like shit lately, and this is something that happens like any holiday season. Like, I just eat like shit for like weeks on end, and then yeah. like, um, and then I like wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh my, my chest hurts. Like my <laughs> like stomach, and my esophagus, like they burn. And uh, last night was a two tums night. Um, because I like it because it's like my heartburn gets so bad. I've always had really bad heartburn, but then uh, you know the only thing that worked for me was Prilosec, um, or Pro uh, no Prozac. One that caught Pro, Prozac. Prozac's the only thing that makes me. Uh, it doesn't cure my heartburn. It just makes me not give a shit about it. Cure. <laughs> so, I guess fun. my insides are on fire. Dude, no. you I swear to God, you and your brother, man, you you're you're both on death's door at any no. given moment and no. you won't no, fucking no. do anything about it. You you're half your body's going numb, your brother can't fucking breathe, and you're just like, It's fine. I didn't have time to call today. We're survivors, Mikey. Uh, I mean, yeah, this is what yeah. happens. Listen, I listen. I've all I've gotten through all of these things without an issue. Like the thing is, is everybody's like, go see a medical professional, go see a doctor, get all this fixed. And I'm like, why do that when you can just wait it out? Because it's not how health works, doctor. So far, it's worked for me. So anyway, I had to take two tums last night so I could go back to sleep because my heartburn was so bad. I mean, does that happen to you often? It's happened every night this week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like if I have, like if I eat some Thai food or if I eat something real spicy, I might have to take a couple of tums. But yeah, you have like acid reflux, dude. Uh, no, I've always had acid reflux. I have a, my acid reflux has always been really bad. Um, so then but, do uh, something about it. Well, so I did. I was taking medication, but the medication takes causes cancer, so I can't take the medication anymore. <laughs> so I had to. What so kind like, trade off is that? That's what I'm saying. Like I could live in comfort for several less years than I would plan. No, I, um, I have, I've got to change my diet because I've learned that it is, uh, you know, but here's the thing. Here's the problem is like the things I know that cause me heartburn are things that I love so much. Coffee, um, pizza sauce, uh, and like red sauce in general. Mm. Um, and those are the main things. Those are the two things that I know specifically that do that for me. So it's bullshit. Well, you just, I guess you got to continue to suffer. There's no way you're going to not live with coffee. There's no way I'm not going to live with coffee, and there's definitely no way I'm not going to live with pizza. Like, I had pizza for breakfast this morning. See, I don't know if it's so much the foods you're selecting, it's when you're choosing to eat them and the quantity. No. I don't eat a lot. I eat like a fucking bird. Like, the thing is, I think that you think that I eat a lot. I don't eat a lot. Like, I don't require a lot of sustenance to maintain this mortal form. I require very little food. I just eat it. I just eat shitty food at shitty times. Like, I'll wake up and eat chocolate. Okay. Well, iron stomach. This is all very engaging. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I yeah, I I'm, I am slowly wearing a hole in my esophagus with my diet. I hope you get one of those voice boxes one day. That'll be fun. 
Yeah, that would be a lot of fun, Mikey. That would be a lot of fun to like talk through a uh, like a little microphone that I have to stick to my throat so people can hear me. Sounds great. Hi, everybody. Welcome to I Don't Want to Hear It. I'm Mikey. And I'm Shane. And welcome back to another one on our five. We've got stuff to tell you, uh, a yeah. list to tell you. We've got things that we're going to tell you to like. Yeah, I got a big nerd ass list this week. Oh, yeah. No, I do too. Um, mine, mine covers um, uh, indie rock and drugs. So it'll be it's fun. It's really nerdy. It's like yeah. hipstery. Well, cool with, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way to make drugs nerdy. Don't worry. Well, before you ruin that for us, why don't we go ahead and do a forgotten freshness? Whoop whoop! I'm in an ape suit. That means I don't give a fuck. So, the band I picked for this week's Forgotten Freshness is a straight-edge hardcore band out of Baltimore, Maryland. (laughs) Cool. And, you know, we were talking about, on last episode, we were talking about Dare and some of these bands. And, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of, like, just overtly straight-edge bands because a lot of times it's all, like, it's, it's no substance. It's just, like, style. It's just youth crew sort of updated with dumb lyrics. But this band, however, I thought did it so well that they elevated it to an art form. And that band was called Mindset. Ah, Mindset. I remember this band. Yeah, they were real good. I, I really, I still like him. I, w- I went to the Altamont Mall yesterday with Chris Tharp because he needed to get his um, MacBook fixed. And we listened to it in the car. I it's a good band. Yeah, I listened to it in like eight years. So anyway, Mindset, um, the record that I know that everybody knows them from is, of course, their 20... What? 20 what? I can't even remember. 2012. 2012 LP, Leave No Doubt. It's pretty much a perfect, like, punk hardcore, straight-edge hardcore, borderline modern youth crew record. Um, every song is a banger. The It's just the way it starts with Alive Inside, the title track... I, I I don't know. There's not really much else I can say about it. The vocals are great. The riffs are creative for what they are, which is not much because it's straight edge, like youth crew hardcore. But Mindset is one of those bands, I think, that had a lot of appeal because they just did what they did really, really well, which is more than I can say for most hardcore bands like this. So yeah, if you forgot about Mindset or you never heard them, check them out. Leave No Doubt is a great LP. They had some EPs and stuff that I'm somewhat familiar with, but Leave No Doubt is the one that I always come back to. So that's my pick. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> it's funny that this came up on Forgotten Freshness because this is a band that you have done on Forgotten Freshness. Really? Uh-huh, you did it on uh, episode 101. <sighs> All right, whatever. That's fine. It was last year. It's good. So so it's like it's like Henry Rollins listens to the adverts like at a certain time every year. So maybe this is your this is your adverts. I feel I thought I hadn't listened to them in in I said eight years, probably like five years. I thought it's, it's been, been since I listened it's to it's been them. almost exactly one year. Okay. Well, thank you for just Go on. Record keeper. That's me. All right. So my band that I picked uh, was not originally um, this band. I had to scramble because I forgot they were doing a forgotten freshness and not a right profile. So I apologize ahead of time because I was not prepared. Um, But my band that I picked is a band called North Star, which I've talked about before. Yeah. 
Do you remember North Star? I never really got into them. Yeah, you didn't like them. Yeah, I just remember um, Bad Luck dudes talking about how great they were. Yeah, and you know, after seeing Bad Luck and listening to uh, Summer of Pain a lot, and um, and going back and revisiting this band, um, I just remembered how much I liked them. And so they were a band. They were four piece out of uh, Alabama. So if that says anything, um, they were on trip from Huntsville, Alabama. They formed in 1997, um, and they were on uh, the label Triple Crown. So Triple Crown at the time was doing a lot of like kind of. Uh, like like very very poppy, very indie sounding bands. Like uh, brand new was on Triple Crown. Um, when the first album came out, whatever that one was called, I can't remember. It was the one that everybody like loved. It was like the Boy Abroad and bullshit like that. Your and, favorite um, weapon. That's what it's called. I never listened to that one. I didn't like that one. I, I didn't like that one. I liked Deja and Tendu. That's the one that I got in the brand new one. Or Soko Amaretto Lime. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, anyway. North North Star got onto uh, Triple Crown and they put out a few records. They put out "Is This Thing Loaded" and "Pollyanna." Now, here's what I'm going to say: If you go give this band a listen, they've got a bunch of demos. They've got hardcore demo, early demo one, blind crush demo. They've got a bunch of stuff that they put out in the from 1997 until 2001. Well, they put out Is This Thing Loaded in 2002, Pollyanna in 2004, and then they put out a compilation called Broken Parachute, which was kind of a mix of all these things. I recommend going to listen to Pollyanna. That is a record that is like their most solid record. It's a nice, good emo indie record. It doesn't have all the frills and stuff that you find from like emo and like kind of like the pop punk that came out around that time. Um, it definitely has more of like, you could tell they listen to like, um, you know, stuff like the promise ring and dismemberment plan and like stuff like that. They kind of have some of that, like that kind of more mellowed sound. Um, and also, uh, taking back Sunday cites them as like one of their biggest influences, like taking back Sunday will thank, uh, North star on like all of their albums for, for having such a big influence on them. So, um, it, which I don't think that taking back Sunday sounds like Paul, like, like North star, like I think they're very different. They're very different bands. What I remember about North Star, they don't sound anything like Bad Luck, so I didn't understand why they were such a huge touchstone for them. Uh, I think that I think that when you listen, when you listen to maybe the, I think if you, I think you could hear some of the DNA in it. You can't hear DNA, scientist. This listen, I am not, not happy with how this is going. So I need you <laughs> to relax. So. I would say go listen to Pollyanna. It's got a, a Herman Hess reference for members only um, from, uh, is it from Steppenwolf? I don't, I don't, I've never read Hess. Um, so uh, like AM radio is a really great song. Uh, two zero two is a good song uh, between horns and halos. Just go listen to this album. It's a really great, re- it's a really great record. It doesn't sound like it's from that era. It just sounds like a timeless kind of uh, pop punky kind of emo record. So that's, that's my pick for today. Okay. All right. Before we get into our list, though, we have a new segment. <laughs> yes, we do. What's it called, Shane? It's called Newbie, 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 Newbie Soho. Newbie, 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 Newbie Soho. I think there's, as long as there's kids with fucking problems, kids from broken homes, and they got instruments to play, punk will never fucking die, man. <laughs> Ever. We 
we have a new segment called Newbie Soho. So every now and again, bands will write us and they will tell us to give their band a shout out, give them a listen, um, and just kind of maybe review their records. Uh, and so this is the first band that we're going to do. Uh, this band is a band called Get Em Tiger. Get em. Spelled, Get em. Go get. Get em. Go they, get. They just put out their, their EP. Uh, it's called De Ser- Serpientes. De Serpientes. Does that mean the snakes? It means of of snakes of of serpents of snakes of snakes. Oh, that's yeah, cool. day. It's not L. What? If it was if it was los serpientes, then it'd be different. But this is de serpientes. I guess which you're means a linguist too now. Okay. I yeah, I I was fluent in ASL, and I I used to tell my Spanish teacher Miss Cavalanes that I like to clean the bathroom with a burrito to upset her. <laughs> well, what did you think of them when you listened? I liked them. I thought they were good. Um, they uh, the production on this EP is really good. I really like the album artwork. Um, it's nice and simple. It's like the black, red, and white kind of stuff that you'll see from like that simple type of artwork. Um, I was immediately stoked about their song titles because they have a song called "Snack De La Rocha" and "Jackie Daytona." So I was like, kind of like sucked <laughs> in with that. Um, I, Jackie Daytona. I saw them post on a Reddit board, uh, and they, they their first song De, De Serpientes was is sung in Spanish, and somebody was like, "Why?" Why did you do that? And they're like, I don't know. It seemed like fun. And that just felt like a very, like, just very punk thing to do. Um, and so they have like some ska songs on this. They have some punk songs. Like they're kind of in that realm. Um, and uh, it was just a fun listen. So it's definitely worth just giving them a shot and, and, and giving them a shout. Yeah, I thought it was cool. It definitely reminded me of uh, like falling sickness because there's yeah. no horns, but it's got little Scott parts and the Spanish influence. So I guess Voodoo Glow Skulls without horns, maybe a little bit, maybe not yeah. as frenetic. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool, man. I thought that I thought it was pretty interesting, and I was surprised to hear a ska band. So that that was yeah. a nice nice turn. So yeah. I give. Well, what's our rating system? Uh, our rating system. I don't know. It's out of five. It's always out of five. I give it four out of five butt flaps. <laughs> I give it four out of five s- snake bites in Spanish, which would be los snake bites. G- great. Good. I don't know. I don't know what that is. So, no, I, I gave it a four out of five. I think it was good. It's, it's a fun listen. So I definitely think it's worth giving them a shot. I haven't listened to their early, their early stuff. They have a bunch of stuff on Spotify, but this one's a fun. This one's a fun little listen. Yeah, we'll link the record. So everybody check them out. Go to their Spotify page and give them a. Give him a boost. Tell him we sent you. Yeah. I don't know how you do that, but okay. I don't know. Anyway, do you want to do lists now? Yeah, let's do lists. My number five is, uh, since this is the first episode of the new year. Oh, shit. Happy new I year. Happy 2022, everyone. Uh, my number five is going to be some New Year's goals. I always try to set some New Year's goals that are not necessarily um, uh, like high and tight. Like I try not to like do something that's going to make me like fail. Wait, what you call call high and tight? Call high and tight. Yeah. I don't know what that is. That I don't not, get, that's not anything that anybody ever says. Yeah. Well, I thought it was. Um. So. Anyway, I try to set goals that are loose, that are kind of like a theme more than anything, um, only because I know that I will fail at them. So I want to give myself the wiggle room to not feel disappointed in myself. Sure. And so I have two two specific things that I'm going to do more of this year. 
And I'm going to probably need people's help to hold me accountable for this. The first one is um, I was going through our records of the year uh, playlist, which is awesome, by the way. There's a lot of really great stuff on there. Um, mm-hmm. It's 78 bands. So Ugh. just so everybody knows that it's 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 a it's a big it's a big old list. Big old. Yeah. Uh, severely lacking hip hop, though. Uh, we could have put Fat Nick and Puya on it because their uh, new stuff is fun. Well, and that's what I'm saying. It's like I didn't listen to enough hip hop. I put um I put King's Disease Two on there uh, by Nas. I put the new Aesop Rock on there. Um and uh, so like I I did put some stuff on there, but I was kind of like, what a bummer that I didn't give that 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 uh that genre enough of a shout. So I'm gonna be more intentional about listening to hip hop this year. Um I just got a Talib Kweli book or Talib Talib Kweli Talib Kweli. Um, Talib Kweli. That's what I thought too. So anyway, but people have corrected me, so I don't care. Uh, which tells you how much I know about the scene. So I'm, I, I just got his new book. I'm gonna spend some more time in that area, era, in that in in that arena, and kind of give it a little bit of a fair shake, a little bit more than I had this year. You can step into the arena like Gangstar. Yeah, I love Gangstar. Um, now the other one is I'm gonna cook more intentionally. Um, I just mentioned my heartburn and how I'm dying from like my literal insides digesting my insides. So I'm going to, uh, I want to kick more intentionally. I want to learn how to like do more things. I would like to, um, as I said on a previous show, fuck around in the kitchen more. So mm. I'm going to try to do that and, um, and learn to make new things and learn how to make new recipes and learn some different, um, you know, tricks of the trade and stuff like that, because I think that I need to do that. Um, like I, I can cook, but I want to learn to cook better and cook like fancier and cook like, you know, and learn more techniques. I have literally no techniques. You don't have any, uh, you don't have some, any pizzazz in the kitchen. No, I mean, I'm, I'm a very simple, I'm a very simple cook. Like I know to oil the pans. I know to throw whatever I'm cooking in the pan and I know how to make it hot until it's cooked. I mean, and then season is, it. That is cooking. And then seasoning. A little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, but like, I want to get like, I want to get like a uh, pepper grinder. Before you put in the pan. Well, you can. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, you don't eat meat, so never mind. Right. Uh, um, you don't have a pepper, like a black peppercorn grinder? No, that's why I want to get one of those. I want to get like a pepper grinder and I want to like do fresh pepper on stuff. Like I want to really like, I want to really do this the right way. I want to give food the credit it deserves. <laughs> <laughs> well, with your with your heartburn, man, go easy on the pepper. Yeah, the pepper doesn't give me heartburn. It's the acidity that gives me heartburn. Fresh cracked pepper? What's that? Uh... <laughs> Is that another SNL sketch from back then with Dana Carvey, the Pepper Boy? Oh yeah, yeah. That's I was thinking. I was thinking um, the one with uh, Bobby uh, Moynihan, where he's like, "How do you not smell all this pepper? <laughs> How do you not smell all this pepper? It's like we were in a factory, and they sold two things: pepper and a fan to blow it around with. How do you not smell all that pepper?" <laughs> Well, I'm I fully support your New Year's uh, resolutions. I just don't know how I will. I'm just verbally supporting them right now, and then when well, you inevitably give them up, I will lambast you. Well, I'm gonna cook recipes out of a book called Thug Kitchen. Um, it's like <laughs> I yeah, saw that a, at your house. Yeah, it's rad. It's rad as fuck. It's like to, It's like it's 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 called Thug Kitchen. Cook like you give a fuck. Um, and it's like mostly <laughs> vegan stuff, and it's like actually pretty looks pretty good like so i'm gonna learn how to do that like i want to learn how to make like a a fresh roasted salsa like i want to learn how to like poach an egg and shit like that like i want to learn like some cool shit and be like voila 
Yeah, I need to learn to make um, eggs Benedict because that's one of my favorite. Yeah. I don't know how and to poach an egg. And yeah, I don't know how to make um, hollandaise. Hollandaise is easy though. It's like butter. Nah, I heard no. I heard hollandaise is actually pretty hard to make because like it breaks very easily. Okay, here's what well, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make something. something fancy and then I'm gonna scream at my kids and throw it against the wall and not eat it. So it's linguini. Now it's garbage. No, I do. Hey, I have some skills. All right, I make some mean chicken parmesan. I make my own tomato sauce. I mean, I, I can I can do some stuff in the kitchen. I hey, you're made risotto. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can make risotto. Risotto. I make a I make a a, a a a damn fine cheesy risotto. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. maybe one day we'll make, go head I mean, to head I, like Bobby Flay. Yeah, I would fucking love that. You know what? I'll make a risotto. I'll make a fucking bomb ass pot pie. I'll make some some biscuits and gravy. Like I can do that shit, but I want to learn, like I want to learn some other things too. Like I want to like do some more. I want to learn how to like make my own Satan. Like I want to learn how to do that kind of stuff. Don't. That's where you lost me. That's fine. So is that your number five? Yeah, that's my number five. I'm going to cook more. God damn it. Okay. So fun. (laughs) Well, for my number five, I have two movie trailers. Now, <laughs> yes, I'm not. There's one I'm just going to cover real quick, and that is the newest trailer for the Batman. Did you see it? I didn't watch that one. Oh, buddy. It's they call it the bat and the cat. It, Catwoman is featured more prominently and she looks great. I'm not. It, it looks like the best Catwoman since Michelle Pfeiffer. So I guess that would just be the Anne one. Hathaway was a good bat or Catwoman. Yeah, I don't like Anne Hathaway. Yeah. What? She's a gem. I don't care about her. I don't care about her. All right. <laughs> they hating on the Hathaways. <laughs> um, but the new Batman trailer, it looks phenomenal. It's it shows a little bit more of the movie. You get more of a sense of the plot. There is definitely there's something going on with the Wayne family that there's some long buried secret and Bruce was not privy to it. And now Alfred knows about it and it's coming back to bite them somehow. But uh, you, you get to see a little bit more, a little bit more action. You know, um, you get to see the Riddler just a little bit more. You see the back of the Riddler and it's like, oh, that's totally mm-hmm. Paul Dano. And then you listen, you hear a little bit more of his dialogue. They don't really feature the Penguin too much in the trailer, but it, you do get some brief flashes of him. And the car flipping scene with the new Batmobile is pretty righteous. Yeah. So I'm extremely excited. It, I mean, I'm just not the biggest fan of superheroes in general, but I've always been a Batman fan. And this looks like the quintessential Batman movie. And it's like, I'm glad they let the Nolan trilogy sit and marinate for over a decade. Or I guess, I guess Dark Knight Rises was almost a decade ago, but the Dark Knight, you know, it's, they they waited long enough to not disrespect it. Matt Reeves is going to do this new, hopefully it's a trilogy because I want to see his take on everything. I'm already excited. I haven't seen the movie. It looks amazing. So that's the first thing. Uh huh. Now, have you heard of the movie that's coming out in April called The Northman? <laughs> no, I thought you were going to say Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Oh, God. No, I would never say Sonic the Hedgehog 2. The it's, first not one even one of my fa- it's not even one of my favorite games. I wouldn't go what? see that. What? ever heard. Streets of Rage 2, thank you. Good. <laughs> If we're talking uh, Sega uh, sequels. Uh, if we're talking Sega sequels. Uh, anyway, so The Northman is coming out April 22nd, 2022. It is the new the newest film by Robert Eggers. You know Robert Eggers? Uh is he related to Dave Eggers, the writer? No, he's not. 
Robert Eggers directed The Witch. Did you see that movie? Didn't see it. Beautiful, horrifying movie. The Lighthouse, he also directed with Robert Pattinson. Take it back to Batman. Uh Uh, The Lighthouse with Willem Dafoe and Robert uh, Pattinson. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. uh, Nope, I didn't. Well. I I heard it's great. it, it is pretty great. It's uh, For me, it was a one and done, but it was a pretty immersive movie. This... I heard uh, Willem Dafoe is very mean in it and very gross. He farts a lot in it. <laughs> what does he say? Something about, I'm a seabird. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but this is an epic revenge fantasy thriller set in the time of the Vikings. Oh, okay. The trailer is unhinged it is um, incredible it the the basically the plot is there's this young boy and he's i guess he's the he's the son of this king of viking warriors you know it's it's not really a royalty thing it doesn't look like he's the prince or anything but he's this great warrior this respected king and he gets killed by his own brother uncle i think it's like fjordensen or something yeah and um, basically, the kid grows up to get revenge, and it looks like he. There's just these epic battle scenes, and it just looks. It has his sense of style because Robert Eggers is very period perfect. The yeah. witch was very much like the colonial times it was set in. I mean, uh-huh. they, down to the costumes were stitched a certain way. Like he he pays strict attention to details. Sometimes it's 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 almost too much and it's annoying. But yeah. the images from this trailer just blew my hair back. So, you've got Alexander Skarsgård as the main character as Amleth. And oh, then, he looks uh, like a viking, so that's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Willem Dafoe's in it as well, Nicole Kidman, uh and Anya Taylor-Joy from The Witch. She plays opposite uh Skarsgård as Olga. I don't really know what their roles are. Uh, Clyde's bang is the guy's name. He plays Fjolner and that's the bad guy. And Bjork's There's so many J's in, in, this, in this movie. <laughs> I know. Bjork's in it. She's some kind of Oracle. Ethan Hawke's in it. But then there's a lot of like, it, it looks like Norwegian or Swedish names. I don't know. But you got to watch this trailer because it has this hint of the surreal and fantasy to it, even though I'm sure it's historically accurate, as as historically accurate as it could be. But it's kind of like, it reminds me of Valhalla Rising, which is very, very similar. It's, it's, It's kind of like the origin story of Odin, but more realistic, but there's still surreal fantasy stuff going on in it. Yeah. And that's the vibe I get from this. So I'm super excited about The Northman. It's been on my list since I heard about it. And the this the, the imagery in the trailer will blow you away. And it looks like an incredibly thrilling and violent movie. And I'm very excited about it. So March is the Batman and April is the Northman. And February is Elden Ring. So I'm going to be real stoked for the next couple of months. Yeah, no, it sounds awesome. Well, it sounds like you're going to have a real good time. My number four is my uh, record for the list because I discovered this late in the year. Um, it had been out for a little while, but when I discovered it, I was um, uh, upset that I didn't give it more time when I when I had heard it originally. So um, it has got one of the uh, most horrifying album covers I've ever seen in my life, um, and it does not match this band. 
Mm-hmm. And this is the album called, <laughs> you're going to hate this so much. It's called Yak, a collection of truck songs by a band called Angel Dust. <laughs> Angel, that's the new Angel Dust album? Yeah. Uh, do me a favor. Will you look up the album cover? Okay. Angel D-U money sign. <laughs> <laughs> I do like heard. Angel Dust. I mean, I don't really. They're great. I don't really listen to them too much, but I I remember that first EP. Yeah, Slay, jump in the crowd. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, they're um, fun. So the album is called Yak. It's called Yak. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, these dudes just don't care. They do whatever they want. That whole trapped under ice turns out they're just like, well, we're going to do whatever we want. It's a geode with yeah. eyes. Or yeah, it's a geode with like big eyeballs. Like it looks like a, it looks like it's supposed to be a skull, but it's not. Um, it's dude. It's so much fun. Like they this is this is so crazy. Uh, is they, this album came out on Roadrunner Records. Wow. How, dude, they're like, I mean. Those dudes right? are really becoming successful. I think that's uh-huh. really cool. I think it's no, really it's, cool. it is so fucking great. So like this album is like kind of an indie record, which is weird. Like they, they are kind of, if you've never heard angel dust, they like, you know, they, they kind of change their sound on every record. Um, like their first album was called extra raw and it was described as scrappy lo-fi, uh, a scrappy lo-fi bundle of punk by Kerrang. <laughs> um, and then they kind of incorporate like surf rock and grunge and alt rock and pop. Like, but this album is very poppy. It's very mellow. It's very low key. Uh, I love that it's called yak, uh, a collection of truck songs. Um, but if you go through, like they have an album called rock the fuck on forever. Yeah. Um, they yeah. have a, uh, they, they put out 2019, they put out uh pretty buff, which was really good. Um, bigger house was an EP they put out in 2021, but then yak came out in 2021 as well. Now, if you're going to go listen to this album, give it, go get, go listen to big bite, but I'm going to tell that's the first song. It's the intro song for the album. So it's a nice little kickoff, but you have to go listen to the song Dancing on the Radio, which has a guest spot from one of our favorite musicians. Hmm. Tim Time Bob. <laughs> Is he on it? That's great. Yeah. He does like a whole verse and a whole chorus. He's like, Dancing on the Radio. Dancing on the Radio. And it's so fucking great. He's 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 like, it's it's so much fun. Like you can tell they're having so much fun and they're so positive. Like you, you know, I mean, they have a song on here called All the Way Dumb, which is fun. Um, but they have a song called Love is the Greatest, Cool Faith. Um, you know, like Dancing on the Radio is like a really fun, positive song. But it's like very like when you hear it, you're like, these are the guys that are in Trapped Under Ice and Turnstile. It's very it's a very odd like it's jarring if you know that. But then it's yeah. also very cool that they can do that. So uh, it, it's it's like I said, it's a late in the game 2021 contender for for some of our albums of the year. It is on our on our playlist. Um, but man, it's a fun album. I'm so glad I found it. I you know I just think it's cool, man, because they're not afraid to experiment. They have their own little label. They just do whatever they want, and like everybody's embracing them. I I loved TUI. I thought they were one of the best bands of the past decade. Even though everyone's like, oh, they're my favorite band. It's like, well, there's a reason because they're really good at what they do. Yeah. But I just I remember seeing that dude Justice for the very first time because he's in Angel Dust too. I guess he plays guitar. Yeah, playing with that band Nick Fury, 
at like this is for you fest three and he <laughs> was wearing like a triple xl biohazard shirt and just hanging from the rafters and not even playing his guitar and he did look yeah. like a fun dude <laughs> so i'm assuming they're they're really having a lot of fun because i've listened to rock the fuck on and extra raw and i thought they were fun yeah, and and this is like it's this is a fun record. It's just it's more mellow than some of the other stuff they put out. That's cool, man. I'm glad they're yeah. doing cool stuff. Yeah, me too. So that's my number four. All right. Well, for my number four, I am reading a book, and I'm almost done with it. Uh huh. And nothing has really happened in the book. <laughs> but I still really love it. <laughs> is it anything by Dostoevsky? Because that's demons in a nutshell. Demons is a bunch of parties, and then somebody gets murdered at the end in the last like fifty pages. Well, way to spoil it. I was uh, never it's, that, that book has been out for fucking ever. Like if you, <laughs> nobody's gonna read. Nobody's gonna go read demons. It's a it's a slog to get through. Well, the the book that I'm reading is called Dune Messiah, and it is by Frank Herbert. It is the Direct sequel to Dune. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It is second in the original series of six, which I am slowly but surely working my way through. Now, I I just... I don't know how to describe Dune to anyone who hasn't read it. It sounds boring, <laughs> but it's not. This world that they've set things in, the just the the systems of government and all the things that are going on. They're very, there are parallels in our real world too. So it gives you some insight sometimes. And it's just, it's just great. I don't know how else to say it, but like I, I've said, I said it, I think on a, uh, last week's episode where I was like, the things that I truly get into and truly love, you know, uh, Dune, black metal, yeah. uh, get dark very souls. Into it. It's like it starts off, I'm I'm pushed away by it. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. it's too much. I can't do it. And then I begin to, I go back for more and I go back for more until finally I'm all the way in. And then you get it. Like it takes a little bit for you to get it, but once you get it, you get it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to spoil anything. I mean, this is basically what it says on the back of the jacket. Um, you know, the, the movie does stop halfway through, but obviously the movie, the the first book is much more of a, it's a more traditional sci-fi story with Paul Atreides as the hero. It's not technically Star Wars, but if you want to draw that analogy, Paul would be sort of like the Luke Skywalker, the chosen one. So basically, it, it takes place 12 years after the events in Dune. And Paul, of course, has become the emperor. He's accepted the role of the Messiah to the Fremen and unleashed that jihad, which he saw in his mind. And he is trying to now mitigate the damage from this sort of religious juggernaut that he's created because billions of people have died. Yeah. Billions. They have a scene very early on where they talk about like the old earth or the golden, I think uh, the golden era of earth or something, because it does take place in our universe, just 10,000 years in the future. And they mention like, Hitler and they mention um, Genghis Khan and basically how millions of people died because of them. But right. the the jihad in the name of Muad'Dib, 61 billion people so far across many different worlds had perished. Ooh, that's a lot of people. 
Yeah. And so it's basically now Paul is there is a plot against him and he is dealing with that. You get to you get to find out more about his his sister, Alia, Alia of the Knife, who is a very interesting character. I don't know where it's going. Not that much has happened. It's been a lot of people talking in rooms, but the things that they are saying are just very thought provoking. Here's just a, a quick quote. There are many degrees of sight and many degrees of blindness. What senses do we lack that we cannot see another world all around us? <laughs> another, I believe Alia says this, the abyss remains. It is pregnant with all the things yet to be. Ah, what gentle violence. <laughs> ah, that's scary. Dune is just the language. There's so much meaning that you can wring out of it. There's so much philosophy and just different angles to observe things and take them. And it is set in this very interesting sci-fi world. I cannot recommend the first book enough. I cannot recommend the movie enough. And I am now working my way through the sequels. And I love Dune Messiah. I can't wait till I get to God Emperor of Dune because some crazy shit goes down. But I, I, I I'm, I'm just extremely excited about it. I love these books and I'm going to keep reading them. So... The other thing I wanted to mention right quick was that I do watch a lot of Dune lore videos online. I have to be careful because I don't want to get things spoiled for me. But mostly they just talk about the universe and the greater implications. But there's this guy, there's a channel on YouTube called Quinn's Ideas. And it's this young guy who's very knowledgeable about um, Dune and... Uh, Song of Ice and Fire, Lord of the Rings, H.P. Lovecraft. He does all these deep discussions about the lore and the universes and just the implications and the philosophy behind a lot of this really great fiction. And I can't recommend his um, channel enough because I don't sit and watch YouTube videos often. I just have them in the background while I do other things. But in order to review to start Dune Messiah, I didn't want to read the 600 pages of Dune again. So I went back and he's got this exhaustive like two hour video about what happens in part one and part two, or I guess book one, two and three of, of the original Dune. And like, I had to listen to it over a couple of days because it's about two hours, but it, it really is exhaustive. It's well-produced. He's one of those content creators that, you know, he's not like, you know, uh, running down an aisle at Target and knocking everything off the shelf so nobody cares. But a lot of love goes into his channel, and I would recommend it if, you, if you're into A Song of Ice and Fire, if you're into Dune, or, and this is something this guy turned me on to, Hyperion. Ooh. Which I think I'm gonna get to book. F- I'm gonna get through book four of Dune, and then I'm I bought the first book in the Hyperion Cantos. So real quick, I don't know much about it, but it seems incredibly interesting. I bought it yesterday um, when Chris and I were at the Altamont Mall. Hyperion is a 1989 science fiction novel by this guy Dan Simmons. It's the first book on the Hyperion Cantos, and I believe there is five or six books in it. Um, and basically, here's the premise. In the 29th century, the hegemony of man, or hegemony, excuse me, I can't fucking speak. The hegemony of man comprises hundreds of planets connected by far caster portals. The hegemony maintains an uneasy alliance with the Technocore, a civilization of AIs. Modified humans known as ousters live in space stations between stars and are engaged in conflict with the hegemony. Numerous outback planets have no far casters and cannot be accessed without incurring significant time dilation. One of these planets is Hyperion, home to the structures known as the Time Tombs, which are moving backwards in time and guarded by 
by a legendary creature known as the Shrike. The Shrike is terrifying. Yeah. I, the, the guy did a whole video on the Shrike. He basically like impales you on this thing in the Matrix and you're in agony forever. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> it's like a horrible bird robot monster. On the eve of an ouster invasion of Hyperion, a final pilgrimage to the Time Tombs has been organized. The pilgrims decide that they will each tell their tale of how they were chosen for the pilgrimage. So it's it's kind of like the Canterbury Tales, but in the far future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's it seems really cool. So I'm gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read all six Dune in a row. I'm gonna probably take a break around three or four and read this because I already bought it. But yeah, I'm I'm just I feel like I'm all in on some fantasy and science fiction. So Dune Messiah, Hyperion. That's my picks. Number four. Yeah, I you know, it's funny, like you've been talking about Dune so much. I'm I feel like I'm gonna put a pause on the readings that I have been been in right now and um and maybe move into Dune for a minute. Because like I'm I'm right now I'm reading a book called The Philosopher's Flight, which is actually really interesting. Like it's like a very grounded version of like um how magic is used in like the first world war and how they basically like destroyed an entire army using fire smoke. Mm. Uh, it's interesting stuff. It's like, it's fascinating stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, maybe I'll go into Dune. Maybe I'll read that a little bit. Well, you need to remember that stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them all. Was that your number? Was that your the number sleeper has awakened. Yeah, you are, you are, are you okay? <laughs> Dude, it's, it's a way of life. I feel like. is a movie that I recently watched that I have to talk about because I loved where this came from and uh, I it just it, it just it's one of those things where it's like I'm again being a completionist so I had to watch it no matter what okay my number three is a movie called the Matrix Resurrections <laughs> oh I heard you and Matt talking about this you 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 were not pleased Matt didn't Matt seemed all right with it. Here's what here's what it is. I I approach this movie the same way that I approach Solo. And the re- there's a reason why it makes my number three. I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful movie. Like it looked incredible. I like these characters. I like the world building they've done with the Matrix. I like the story. I like all of that. I think and I think that the way that they brought them back makes sense. So it's been twenty. It's been twenty-one years. So just mm. so everybody's clear, it's been like twenty years since the last Matrix had come out. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Matrix Revolutions. Um, is that was that the last one? It was Matrix. Yeah, I believe Matrix so. Revolution. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Matrix Revolutions was the last one. So, uh, at the end of that movie, everybody dies. So if you had remember, so it doesn't make sense that they're back. Or does it? So, um, the, 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 this movie, and this is not going to spoil anything. This movie is set 60 years in the future from the end of that Matrix movie. Uh, and okay. there's a lot of stuff that kind of happens in it. The Matrix has been updated. Um, and what I really like about this movie is that uh, there, uh, there's, uh, there's a lot about choice. Um, and, you know, because the first movie is kind of about choice, but then it's also about killer robots that are trying to, like, you know, enslave humanity. This yeah. one's definitely more about choice. And about the idea of like, you know, because at the end of the last ones, humanity has been essentially, there's been a truce with humanity and the machines. 
and and they have uh, updated the Matrix to allow for humans to leave if they wanted to, and some to stay if they wanted to stay. So that's kind of a thing that's happened. And so this movie is all about kind of the choices that are made and all that. Um, you know, they've updated some characters, which is really cool. Uh, Keanu Reeves is great in it as Neo, um, and so they do some really cool things with it. Like I said, I, I and I've learned this recently because I'll say I'm not going to spoil it. But, and then I'll spoil it because Matt told me that I do that a lot. Um, so I'm going to avoid talking more about it because I know that I'll spoil it. Here's what I I'm going to say about it, though. though. I do want to see it. It's definitely worth, you should see it. You should watch it. You don't need to go to the, you don't need to go to a theater to watch it. You can watch it at home. It's fine. Um, this is why theaters are dying, Shane. No, it's fine. Um, here's what I'm going to say about it, though. I Like I said earlier in my little diatribe about this movie is that I approach it the same way that I approach Solo. I'm happy that it exists. It was a fine watch. I didn't need it, though. So, Solo was like that for me. Solo didn't blow my mind. Solo was an okay movie at best. You're not going to replicate Han Solo. There's no way that you can play have somebody play the the the, the sheer, like, the, 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 the suave type of character that Harrison Ford played. Um, you're not going to have that happen. Um, and I feel like that's kind of happened here. You had uh, uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen uh, play Morpheus. Not as cool as Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, Still Larry pretty Fishburne good though. Isn't in it? No, he did. He did not. He did not come back for it. He's Morpheus. No, he's not. Yeah, yeah. Abdul Mateen is Morpheus. I mean, I've seen that dude in some stuff. He's good, but he's I, so I good. would rather it be Larry Fishburne. Yeah, but when when you get into the story, it makes sense. It makes sense. So that's all. So I'll there's say. a reason. There's a reason. Yeah. Well, at least they and gave it's actually, it a reason. They, yeah, they did They did a good job. They did a good job with it. Like, it's not a bad movie. People are all upset about it, and it's like, it's not a bad movie. It's just something I didn't need. The When people get, like, really up in arms about certain things like that, I find it hard to relate. I mean, the, the, very few times have I felt that way. Just about, I think, Texas Chainsaw 3D. I love, I suspend my disbelief. I don't know. I mean, like there's some movies I don't like, but I I just, I feel like if a movie looks cool and it's fun, you know, if it's not the most mind blowing story, I'm not going to get upset about it. I don't, I don't understand. Well, right. And that's, that's my thought is like, you know, it's like, we live in a world where we have the opportunity to revisit characters that we loved when we were kids and that in like a world that we like, you get a chance to revisit that multiple times. And you're doing that when you go through the Dune books. I mean, like we do that through, we do that in other medium and other formats. So like, this is no different. It doesn't ruin those characters. It it, do, it absolutely does not ruin those characters. But like, it's just one of those things where it's like, if you don't want to watch it, don't go watch it. But if you want to watch it, you'll have fun and it'll be okay. I mean, I think there is something to Hollywood just beating the corpses of the characters of our youth. That I wish there were more new ideas. But you know, they they it's all about uh, money, and they're all like you know, worshiping uh, Lord Payman. So. Yeah, sure, and that's fair. That's Maria Abramovich so. is just throwing blood around everywhere. You know, it's just <sighs> yeah, it's a real sick world. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 that way to way to bum everybody out. <laughs> well, then let me bring it up for you. <laughs> Ooh, my number three is a movie as well. It's a movie that came out this year, and it I I didn't I didn't really have plans to watch it, but I saw the Blu-ray. And it was like 10 bucks, and I bought it. Chris told me it was a very visual movie. And I'm familiar a bit with the source material. I did read it in college. That movie that I watched that I really liked and that I'm recommending is called The Green Knight. 
Oh, I heard about this and it is on my list. I heard it was beautiful. It's a really cool movie. Um, it is an epic fantasy sort of film. There are some fantastical elements to it. It is set during the time of King Arthur and the round table, actually the, the, the waning days of King Arthur as king. And basically it is based on the 14th century poem called Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Uh-huh. And what happens is, I didn't know this was a thing, but it is Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. And Sir or Gawain, he's not a sir yet. He's not a knight yet, but he is King Arthur's nephew. Uh-huh. He goes to a uh, feast at the round table. His mother is Morgan Le Fay, who is well implied to be Morgan bad Le news. Fay. Well, Morgan Le Fay is sort of like King, he's she's King Arthur's sister, and she's a, a a witch, and that's his mom. But he goes to the feast, and he sits next to his uncle, and the uncle says, you know, tell me a story of your adventures. And he says, I have none. And then the door opens and this elemental green knight comes in on a green horse. The green knight, you see him right away. He looks incredible. It's, it's such, and it's all real. It's like prosthetics. The guy who plays him is Ralph, uh, Ineson, who was the father in the witch. He's got a great, deep, booming British voice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's great. And what happens is they play the, I believe they call it the beheading game. Oh, that sounds horrifying. <laughs> and the knight basically says, hey, I'm going to challenge one of you guys to, to, to strike me. And however you strike me, if I survive in a year from now, you will come meet me at the Green Chapel and I will deliver to you the same strike that you struck me with. Okay. Right? Seems seems like a lot. This is okay. like the first the first ten minutes of the movie. Um so Gawain uh nobody takes him up on his offer. Gawain takes you King Arthur says well, Gawain says I'll do it. King Arthur hands him Excalibur. And the Green Knight just stands there, won't fight him. Gawain, or Gawain, I keep saying Gawain, cuts his head off. Oh, oh, okay. And then the Green Knight picks up his head and leaves. So now Gawain has to meet him in a year, supposedly to get his own head cut off. Yeah. So basically the movie is Gawain as he goes on this legendary journey across the 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 area the world whatever the kingdom and he encounters all these strange beings and ghosts and all kinds of cool stuff he you know he kind of moves from sort of set piece to set piece dealing with this dealing with that until he does finally reach the green chapel but i won't spoil it for anybody yeah it's it's all in the it's all in the story and the journey is a lot of fun because he comes across a lot of crazy stuff. And it's a really cool interpretation of it. It's not like Lord of the Rings. It's not fixed high fantasy. There are some surreal elements, almost some modern elements to it that sort of are peppered in there that make it a really unique movie. It looks amazing. I'm glad uh-huh. I bought it because it's one of yeah. those. I usually only buy Blu-rays or movies at all if unless I love them or they're like a super visual movie. And this is a great movie to look at. Does so. he does he ever come across the Knights of Knee? <laughs> Bring us a shrubbery. <laughs> you all chop down this tree with a herring. <laughs> but it is actually a Christmas movie. Come, you know, if you huh. want to get technical about it, because it does take place 
on one Christmas Eve and then a Christmas or Christmas Day and then one Christmas Day a year later. And I cannot stress I cannot stress that how cool the Green Knight looks. And they do show him right away. It's not they don't keep you waiting. But he's very much like a swamp thing, almost like an elemental. Yeah. And I, I just I really liked it. It was a great movie. Chris recommended it to me because um, it was on my list, but I, it wasn't at the top of my list. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. But it, it, it was good. So the Green Knight. Does he, um, does it, it looks like, uh, like I've seen clips of the Green Knight. It looks like uh, Guillermo del Toro, like that type of like. It does. Like costume design. It looks, it's they, a lot of, of attention to detail, much like Guillermo del Toro with like Pan's Labyrinth or the Devil's Backbone. Like very, very visual, much like that. And this is like the first type of movie this guy has done like this. For our patrons, yeah. that's the Green Knight behind me. Yeah. No, he looks rad. He looks yeah. rad as hell. He's like Did all bark and green, and it's 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 pretty it's pretty great. Wasn't a wooden actor, <laughs> just like a wooden puppet. Yes, it was a wooden puppet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they they cast Pinocchio. He's 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 a real comeback. This is this is in Tar- <laughs> this is his Tarantino. This is his Pulp Fiction. It's in Pinocchio and Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Say what? Say what again? <laughs> My number two is a book. It's probably the last book I'll finish for the year of 2021, um, but it was a fun book, and I recommend literally everybody read it. Um, I am, as part of my professional career, going to make sure that all of my students going forward access this book and can read it because it is fucking rad. Um, and um, it is arguably one of the best behavioral like data-based books I've ever read, and that is called Drug Use for Grownups. Chasing Liberty in the Land of Fear by Dr. Carl L. Hart. I've talked about this guy before. Is this the uh, Smacky the Doctor? Yes, it is. It is. Um, so here's here's what's great about this book. This guy has dedicated his entire career. He first went to, he went to school because he wanted to solve the crack epidemic. He wanted to like cure people of like accessing crack. He was like, I'm going to fix this. And then he went to school and he's like, it's not that bad. So like he um like he ended up like really digging into this. And the book is really cool because he basically tackles every single type of drug that comes up and says, Hey, you say this is bad, but it's actually used in this, 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 and this. Let's look at why this looks bad in in the the grand scheme of things. So in this book, he does a really great job of tackling things like racism where he talks about the disproportionate uh, incarceration of uh, people of color versus whites. Uh, when he is like, statistically, most of the dealers that are involved in the crimes are white and not people of color. Um, he talks about how, and they, there's like statistical evidence to support that. That's not like a, let that's not him being like, it's white people. Um, there is uh, um, some really great data on uh, the fact that like, you know, habitual use is not a problem, and most of the drugs that people talk about are not addicting. Um, it's usually the additives in the drugs that cause the overdoses, that cause the, those types of things. And he talks about different programs that can be put in place to prevent drug addiction, drug use, harms related to, to drugs. Like, he talks about some programs where um, they use harm reduction programs for people who use heroin, like like intravenous heroin, where they actually set up new kits for people. Like, they give them clean needles and clean 
kits and make sure that they're using clean equipment to shoot up because they can actually run the risk of, you know, different diseases that are more deadly than actually using heroin. So, and they're actually more costly. So he gets into every one of these things. He talks about psychedelics. He talks about marijuana. He talks about uh, opioids and all that stuff. And he says, these are not as bad as people make them out to be. Here's the data to support this. But his argument is not, you should go use drugs. His argument is that with education and support and the right programs, Countries like the United States should allow and decriminalize drug use in general if this, if those systems are in place. People should have a right to seek pleasure if they want to. But we have an obligation to make sure that if they're going to do that, they do that in a safe way. And that's really his entire argument is people have a right to do this. People have a right to happiness and feeling good. There's a, 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 a truth and a liberty that we should be seeking. We just have to do this in a way because he says... Heroin, heroin is not that bad. It's the fact that it's all the things that are mixed in that cause the overdoses because you don't know how it's going to react in your body. You don't know what's in it most of the time. Um, people try to cut it with different, you know, like fentanyl. He talks about fentanyl. He talks about all these things. It is one of the most brilliantly written uh, books on just, just using science to guide decisions. And I loved it. I want to recommend it to everybody. It's so good. It's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, there's a lot of people in jail for drug crimes that it's not a big, it should, they shouldn't be there. I get that. Yeah. And he gets into that. I mean, he gets into all that stuff. I mean, meth, he talks about doing, he talks about doing and like, and just to be clear, this guy spent his entire career studying different types of drugs and their effects on people. And it's dispelled every single myth that comes up. He also talks about the media and how the media portrays things in a way worse way. Like the guy that the guy that, um, you know, the bath salts guy in Miami, everybody knows about the bath salts guy, right? Yeah. Rudy Eugene or yeah. Maybe that was the guy that got bit. I don't remember. Maybe they, they got his face eaten. You know, you know what they found when they did the toxicology report? Synthetic drugs. Nothing. They found they found a little bit of marijuana in his system, but that's about it. Oh yeah, you're right. I remember that. Yeah. yeah there was nothing, but it was like he was the bath salt zombie. It was all this stuff. It's like that's not what happened. And yeah, so like the media synthetic pulled, like, drugs are difficult to pinpoint in your system because a lot of, they use a lot of different ingredients that, I mean, cause it's basically like gangs that make them and they just throw yeah, whatever in. Sure. You gotta know what He's, you're looking for to well, find it. And he gets into that. He gets into all that stuff, but he also says the effects of those drugs typically wear off much quicker than the more naturally occurring drugs. And none of them have been known to make people that violent. Well, there's like no, that. no, he says, he says in the data and the research, there is literally no drug that has been proven to make somebody more violent, um, in any of those situations. Well, the kid from, uh, what was it? Not Port St. Lucie. The kid, Austin Hareff. I did a whole episode yeah, on him. The clinical lycanthropy kid. Yeah. They didn't find anything. Mm-hmm. Didn't find anything. They he, yeah. The thing that he drank that put him into a coma was like chemicals in the garage of the couple. Yeah, yeah. So. And that's what I mean. It's it's this is a and this is a really great. He like literally talks about meth and he's like he's like I've done meth. He's like because he's like I'm not going to like some guy on the corner and buying meth though. He's like when you get pure methamphetamine, people use this for all kinds of things. If you're using it, like people use it for weight loss, they use it for dietary controls. They use it. You can get methamphetamine prescribed to you by doctors, so it gets villainized because there's a bunch of misinformation about all this stuff. So he basically gives correct information. He gives data to back it up, and then he says, 
I'm not saying that every adult should go do drugs. He's like, I do drugs. I'm a responsible adult. I show up to my job. I take care of my kids. That's he's like, that's the group I'm talking to. Not the people who can't handle their shit. So, well, I think that's most people that can't handle it. And he says that he says that most people can't because there's not enough education and not enough systems to support that type of thing. So you're going to start doing meth. Nah, <laughs> nah, I thought about nah. it. Nah. I thought about it now. No, he did. He did. There's it, it, like reading the book. Didn't make me want to be like, Oh man, I, you know what would be fucking awesome is heroin. Like I didn't do that. Like I didn't go through the book and, and cause he doesn't make you feel like that. He says, this is what I feel like on it. This is just what I like to do. This is what I like to enjoy. And so he's like, well, you get to partake in what you like to enjoy. You should, you deserve to uh, approach that in a safe way. It's a very pragmatic look. It's very data driven. It's very pragmatic. It's very like, it just makes sense when you read it. Well, <clears throat> I got a lot of Dune to read through, but uh, I, I, so yeah. I'm not going to put that on my list. Yeah, did fine. he talk about the spice melange? No, did he, he didn't get that? into that one. He didn't get into the spice melange. He did talk about uh, ecstasy, though, and he talked about mushrooms. <laughs> All right. Well, for my number two, mm-hmm. I have a personal electronic achievement. Let's hear it. Couple of episodes ago. I spoke at great length about how I'm very excited about the game Elden Ring coming out. Yeah. I don't purchase that many games. I don't have time to play that many games. So I get really excited when there's one coming out that I've been looking forward to. Elden Ring is one. God of War Ragnarok is another. Elden Ring is the newest in the From Software library of difficult, lore-driven, awesome action RPG games. Dark Souls being the main entries in the series. Mm -hmm. And I have loved these games since about 2015 when I got Bloodborne for the first time. And I had some unfinished business. Yes, you you mentioned that. Yeah, these games are difficult to platinum. Platinum means you earn every trophy in the game. Okay. And that is something that I'm not after. I'm not an achievement hunter. I don't have time. And a lot of it is very repetitious because the developers make these a lot of the trophy is very difficult to get. You know, sometimes you have to play the game all the way through three times in order to get all the trophies. And I don't really want to do that. But the my my criteria for completion of a Souls game is visiting every area, you know, finding all the secrets, defeating every boss, mini boss, optional or otherwise. And that includes main game and DLC as well. Yeah. So... I said that my unfinished business, according to my criteria, was that there were three bosses that I had not defeated in Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. And there were two bosses in Dark Souls 3, the Ring City DLC, that I had not defeated. Right. You did mention that. And the day before Christmas, didn't have much to do. I'd done my research for the day, done my editing for the day, went for my run. Did my push-ups and my dips and all that. And I said, you know what? It's time. And I beat all of them. Did you? That is my number two. So I started first with the Owl Father. (laughs) Horrible. Horrible. Uh, 30 tries. 
<laughs> that sounds horrible. That sounds like that sounds like that just sounds fucking miserable. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like most of these games, one or two tries is all it takes for me because I know the rhythm of them. But there are some bosses that are extra difficult, and a lot of times they make it optional because they don't want players to come up against a wall that they can't surpass. But there are some that just take a lot of effort, and that's why I haven't beat them up until now because it's like I don't want to spend 30 tries, but I had nothing to do, and I really wanted to do it. I wanted to be complete. So Owl Father first, then the Demon of Hatred, which is the like worst boss in all of the series. Yeah, yeah. I had to go farm some upgrade materials to get a specific weapon in order to defeat him. That sounds like a lot of work. 40 tries. Oh, he kill you in two swipes. Just boom, boom, you're dead. You got to start over. <laughs> so <laughs> then the final boss of the game, Ishin the Sword Saint. So he basically has four life bars. You have to fight him four times. <laughs> That's insane. And I beat him. And I had exhausted all my healing material. Like everything that you can keep to keep the fight turning in your favor was all gone. And he still had half his final life bar left. And I said, you know what? It's time to get good. That's what they say on Reddit. Okay. Is so that no, is that the that's the phrase now? Yeah, G I T G U D, get good. So, no tricks, no secrets. I just deflected all his hits and cut his ass down. So, I finished, I thought you were going to say cut his ass off. <laughs> cut it right off. I I finally finished Sekiro to my satisfaction. I did some of the side quests and do them all. Every optional boss, every mini boss, everything done, fully upgraded my character. I was happy with that. So I put yeah. that aside and I said, I got one more thing that I got to do before I can be done with this. So I jumped back into Dark Souls 3 and it took me a little bit to get my sea legs back. It's not as fast of a game as, as Sekiro. The boss that I had that I had so much trouble with is Dark Eater Medir, which is an optional boss. You have to fall down this giant chasm just to find him. He's all yeah. hidden and shit. And he's a giant dragon who basically breathes the the abyss onto you. <laughs> he doesn't That's really horrible. fly. He just stays on the ground because he's all messed up. He's like <laughs> And he he'll kill you in one hit. So I mean, it took me probably 30 tries for Ishin, and it took me probably 40 tries for Madeir. I beat him, though. And I mean, I that's was, great. I was happy. And then the final boss, Slave Knight Gale, I, two tries I got him. So that was cool. And, I, you know, I don't... It means nothing. It's just a video game. But I do love these games. They are my favorite video games. And... When I play video games, I play these games. Or may, I might play Doom, but I don't play that much. And being able to... Because I spent a lot of time with them over the years. Yeah. They're very sentimental to me. I love the lore. It's As much as I love the Doom lore, the, the Dark Souls lore is very deep. There's a lot of great Lovecraftian and stuff you know, influenced by George R.R. R. Martin and, and Tolkien. It's just, it's very deep. The characters are very well-rounded and literary. And it's just the, just the style of the game really speaks to me. And I just, I was so happy to finish it. I'll never do it again, ever. I will no, never do, I wouldn't. <laughs> I will never do any of those again. That was the deal I made myself. So I'm going to do it once. And that's it. One time. And, you know, now what I'm doing, I have two months before Elden Ring comes out. So I will be 
finishing up Demon Souls finally, which is a fantastic game that I never finished. It was the original Dark Souls before Dark Souls. And they did a remake for the PS5, and it's beautiful, and it's awesome, and I'm just having fun with that when I have time to play. And uh, I might do Dark Souls 2 again just to do it, but I might yeah. not. Might, I might not have time, but I've already finished that game. But I don't ever play that one. But then Elden right. Ring in February, and that that's that's going to take up any gaming time that I have. So I just felt pretty accomplished. So that's my number two. I love that. I love that so much for you. And I didn't get mad either. I huh, died like bigger I didn't, things. didn't yell. When I was when I was a little younger, I used to rage a little bit when it came to games, but now I just go, huh. That's terrible. Yeah. Oh. You're like, oh, that's frustrating. All right. Moving being on. A, being a teacher really takes the takes that out of you. I think just growing up does that, honestly. Well, like yeah. I think But I mean, even when I freak out on here, I'm not serious but it's no just, no no it and it is actually something that can really help you build patience for because it's never the big things that upset me in my life when something big happens it's like I, it may make me sad it may make me upset it may make me scared but i don't generally rela- react with like Aah! like throwing things it's the yeah. tiny things in my life that always got me angry the minutiae right so if you play a particularly difficult game obviously it's got to be something you like it does kind of help manage your patience. Yeah, I, I have fair. to say, I have to say it, it's like a, it's sort of like an electronic stress ball, you know, and when you do come out on the other end of it and you do pass whatever challenge is presented to you, it's a good feeling, even though it's not real. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, then that brings us to number ones. Number one. Oh. So my number one is something super wholesome. Um, I have, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be vulnerable here for a moment. Mm -hmm. I never feel like anybody in my life actually likes me. Like, I feel like I am. I've all I've always been like uh, obnoxious or like not f- like I, I always feel like people humor me like I never feel like I'm funny I feel like people humor me like I feel like uh, and people just like kind of have welcomed me into their friend groups because I'm just around uh, and because I'm nice like so people are like oh Shane a guest can come like they feel bad to not have me at things so like I feel like I have like all this stuff which like just this is me like just kind of putting that out there. So the other night, it was really nice to have my friends come over to my house and hang out. So my number one is having my friends over for a dinner party. That was Why wasn't I invited? <laughs> because you're not my friend. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So, yeah. Um, so, no. The, the reason I say that is because, like, when I, when I started going to, like, punk shows, like, I didn't feel like I was welcome at all. Like, and it was, and I know that that's kind of how like the people that we grew up with and around were, but turds. like, even after they were turds, but even after I'd been around for a few years, I still didn't feel like I was like, I always felt like I was kind of like a, like it, it was like, kind of like, it was like, you know, like when people have like a little brother and they just kind of bring them with you. Cause they like, they kind of have to like, that's what it always felt like for me. Yeah. An eight and foot um, tall little brother covered in. Yeah. Hair. Yeah. They're like, uh, like they, everybody brought me along cause they were afraid, you know? 
No, and I think part of it was, like, because I was always kind of like, guys, we shouldn't do that, da 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 But, like, you know, I think the other part, like, because I, I was, like, too nervous to do stupid shit. So, like, uh, so I'm sure that was part of it. But, like, I, whatever it is, um, it doesn't matter because my friends came over to my house and it was really nice. So having you all over at the house for, like, pizza and, like, and just hanging out and just kind of joking and laughing, like, it was funny because Matt would be like, well, what I, like he texted me the next day. What do I owe you for the pizza? You don't owe me anything for the pizza. It was nice for you to come over and hang out. Like I like, I like treating my friends. I like being able to like give back to my friends and people in my life. So like, it, it was really nice to have everybody over and hang out and laugh and it'd be relaxing and just have pizza and sweets. And the kids got to just kind of do their thing while we all got to talk like adults and it was just really wholesome and nice, and it made me feel really good. And I didn't get to tell everybody thank you or anything like that, but it was just a really nice, wonderful time. It was. I, I have to echo your sentiments on it. I also feel that way. I have that imposter syndrome quite a lot. But um, especially this holiday season, I've seen all of you guys a lot. And yeah. it's been really nice. Like, I've seen everybody multiple, multiple times. You and your brother a lot. I just, just before I recorded this, I helped your brother rip his cabinets off his wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're not remodeling or anything. My brother just hates cabinets. <laughs> we had to put the fridge in the living room. He's like, yeah, that's where it is. It's right there. See it? <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, you know, I, of course, uh, Matt coming to town has been great. Uh, I've seen Derek a bunch. You know, he just dropped by my house the other day. We went and got La Fiesta. It was it was yeah. great. Uh, Chris is in town. Even Chad back in Thanksgiving. Chad was here. So it's been really nice to see everybody over Christmas. I needed it. I needed to see everybody. And of course, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Better than Christmas. We're going to go oh, do something real dumb. <laughs> I can't no, I, wait. I mean, I've thanked him and you, but like, you know, you and Matt moment are treating me to something. I mean, it's more something you like, but you're treating me <laughs> to it. Yeah, and I, yeah. know, I know it'll be fun and I know I will enjoy it. And I'm really glad you guys are including me because I, th- I think it'll be really funny. And we're going to get how, an episode out of it. Oh, my God. Here's the thing about tomorrow is that like how you feel about like Dune right now is how <laughs> Matt and I are both about wrestling. <laughs> like, it's like we know all the lore. It's yeah, so yeah. ridiculous. When you when we were standing there in your kitchen talking and eating pizza, you know, we were going from topic to topic, like we do on the show. You know, we're talking music, movies, life, whatever. And then as soon as wrestling comes up, you guys dove in. You're like, oh yeah, this guy right here, yeah, that dude does this. He used to be this guy, and it just it went nuts. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this guy. Oh, he's a cowboy, but he's dead, and he leads an order of dead minions. In this guy is a dinosaur (laughs) that was the one that got me the guy is the dinosaur (laughs) he's a dinosaur he doesn't talk you know why because he's a dinosaur (laughs) well and i have to say christmas uh christmas night you know not eve but you i going over to your parents house was great your mom dad got me a great present um i have to get them a thank you card i haven't done it yet but they they really made me feel welcome and it was very nice you don't have to get them a thank you card they're fine it was a very sweet thing that they did. Yeah. They just, just, you know, my mom, my, I can tell you what my mom will say. My mom will say you being there was thank you enough. <laughs> oh, peanut. Yeah. Which uh, I said, ew. When she said that. <laughs> so that's my number one. It's just like, like feeling like I am around people that do care about me, even though I always feel like I'm kind of an outsider or kind of like, you know the people, the the one that everybody's patting on the head, like, oh, it's okay. We'll 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 throw this. We crumb can't to reach you. your head. 
Yeah, no, that's true. I had to duck down for that, which I, that's that's part of it. Like, I'm so nice that I would duck down for somebody to pat me on the head because I would feel bad. I would feel like an inconvenience. <laughs> like, I would feel like if somebody wanted to pat me on the head, I'd be like, I'm sorry. I would kneel down so it was easier for them. Sorry, I'm a monster. Sorry, I'm a monster. I, it's uh, you know, also, I didn't, I didn't even mention them. It was great to see Kareem and Renee. I hadn't seen Kareem and Renee in so yeah. long. I saw their kids. And, you know, I, I, I texted Graham, like, dude, let's hang out. Cause he always has to give me a bunch of crap because I haven't yeah. seen them in a while, but like I got yeah. past the initial salvo. So he, you know, I, I would like to see them again because they're great and I, and I do miss them. So it was nice seeing them at the punk rock flea market too. Yeah. Yeah. It was really great. It was really great. So that's a lot, of, one. a lot of, a lot of holiday warmth this year. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Well, in keeping with that theme, my number one, all my stuff has been nerd stuff, this whole list. I haven't even done music. That's true. It's just been nerd. But this was something that I experienced, and I didn't want to put it on the last one of one because we were talking about some real horrific topics. <laughs> and <laughs> right. I just, I, I don't talk about where I work. I don't mention grade level. I don't mention anything. Because I do, you know, I, I, I keep that separate because I like, I want to be of a, good, a good example, a good role model. You know, I'm not playing a part. It's just, you know, you, your professional life is your professional life. And I do try to keep them separate. But um, I went a couple of weeks ago and I saw the Christmas play at my school. <laughs> and yes. it was so funny and so fantastic. So that was my number one going to see it. I love um, that. So what what it was I you know I I don't generally go back to school to do the the extracurricular things. I have a really good rapport with my students. I'm always very encouraging whether they're doing sports or whether they're doing uh, a play or they're doing band. I try to take an interest. I try to be supportive and positive and you know basically my whole approach is to make them laugh, which 95% of the time works. Yeah. And a couple of my more, I would say, um, interesting students <laughs> were in this play. And by that, I mean very smart kids, um, great personalities, already forming a very unique personality. Right. Which, you know, you, you don't think of kids as having a personality. I mean, you probably do. You have kids. But as someone yeah. who does not have children, until I started teaching, you don't really realize the 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 stages they go through and the growth so it was, dude i got there and the director he's like you know go put an ornament on the tree and i do and the kids you know the kids in the crowd are like calling my name you're like hey, hey, hey you know it was cool you know it makes you feel welcome a lot of people were there it was a great turnout and when the play starts uh <laughs> It was just really funny. A bunch of my current students and older students were in it. And <laughs> what what got me was that their roles fit their personalities right. so well. One of them I have, she's very, uh, she's already very cynical. Nice kid, but she sees through things. She's, right, of course. She's very good at just being like, that sounds dumb <laughs> and, I'll, <laughs> and i'll be like you know you're right it does sound dumb doesn't it we have to do it though so you got to do it but she uh she played 
that type of a character in the play. And she continually came out on stage to be like, Oh, what are we doing? And I was in the back laughing. One of my other kids, he's very, he, he's a showman. He loves to have the spotlight on him, which can be a problem in class sometimes, but I know it comes from a good place. So I do, right. I do laugh at his jokes, which can derail class. Of course. But I can't help it sometimes. He'll say things that I just have to stop. I'll just throw my papers up and I'll be like, all right, that's it. Like we, We're going to have to pause for five minutes because we're not, <laughs> we're, not, we're not getting this back. We're not going to get through this. So he had a smaller part, but he milked it for everything it was worth. Yeah, he's, he's chewing the scenery. He's up there doing like dances and doing all kinds of stuff that just, you know, he didn't need to do, but it added. And it was very funny. Yeah. So I just, I had such a great time. I drew, I mean, I drove back to school, you know, I drove home, you know, changed, cleaned up and drove right back, which I don't normally do, but I'll probably do it, you know, a little bit more from now on because it just, it was such a funny, heartwarming experience and talking to them about it the next day, they were super stoked that I took an interest and I gave them specific feedback not criticism but just oh you know i noticed this did you pick your character you know just stuff like that so i just that's my number one the christmas play it was so much fun and i i I totally got a kick out of it well it's fun to do things that are like kind of not part of your normal routine sometimes too like stuff that you normally wouldn't say yes to it is fun to just kind of say yes to things every now and again and see how it plays out it's like that always sunny thing. What do we do in this situation, Charlie? We say yes. No, we don't say yes all the time, Charlie. I'd be a dead man. But <laughs> Yeah, that's what it is. Just every now and again. Every now and again is something that you normally wouldn't. Like, that... that's how we ended up. That's honestly how we ended up with the tickets for tomorrow. Like, normally I would be like, I don't really feel like going to something like that. But I was like, nah, this will be fun. This will be good. I'm going to say yes to this. I've been saying yes a lot more to stuff recently. You know, it just, I, I, I don't, you're not going to get me on a roller coaster because I hate no. heights, but one day, one day, no, I'll, one get, day. I'll get you some Dramamine and Xanax and you'll be good. So you just want me to be unconscious. I'll drug you. Coaster. I'll drug you to get it on. Yeah. To get That's you on a velocity coaster. not cool, Shane. Hey, I read a whole book about it. It's fine. Well, all right. Number one. Let's uh, No, We already did number one. So you yeah, want to do our lists? Yeah. Do the countdown. Five, New Year's goals. I'm going to learn how to cook so I don't have lava in my throat. <laughs> Number four, Angel Dust, Yak, a collection of truck songs. This is on the radio. This is on the radio. Turn it on the stereo. Number, uh, ma- Number three, Matrix Resurrections. Look how binary is the form, the nature of things. Ones and zeros, light and dark, choice in its absence. Anderson and Smith. <laughs> Number two, Drug use for grown-ups. According to data, crack isn't bad. And number one, having friends over. Aww. Ooh, good list. Yeah. All right, number five, the Northman trailer. This is Varg's best life. (laughs) Number four, Dune Messiah. Nothing happens, and it's great. Number like three, it. The Green Knight, an elemental bloodbath for Christmas. Number two, <laughs> Unfinished Business with Souls, finished. 
Every fleeing man must be caught. Every secret must be unearthed. Such is the conceit of the self-proclaimed seeker of truth. But in the end, you lack the stomach for the agony you'll bring upon yourself. And number one, watching the Christmas play. It was just the best. <laughs> you know, it's 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 nice when that's like the, the sentiment of something. It's like, it just, that was just the best. It was great. It was great. Oh, all right. Um, announcements. So it's the beginning of the year. Right now we have 10 projects lined up for our publishing company that we are going to have probably guaranteed published this year. Um, along with some revisions to some books, some cool things that are going to happen. So we've got a lot of really neat things happening this year that I'm really excited about. Um, we're going to save those announcements for when those books are ready to come out, though. So I don't want you to be like, hey, we got all these things. And then, like, don't deliver on our promises. I don't like that. Um, nothing for the podcast. We still have our mugs for sale. We still have our pins for sale. We still have our stickers for sale. We will have shirts. Um, I should be picking them up this week. They should be ready this week, hopefully. Um, if not, uh, they'll be ready next week. So I'll just have to wait until they're ready because I that is out of my control. Um, but we will have a variety of shirts. We will have um, 40 for sale. Um, so hopefully I'll buy some. Uh, I don't think there's any, any other announcements for the show, right? Well, you guys, please go and listen to our Christmas special, <laughs> A Black Metal Christmas Carol. Yeah. We worked hard on it and... I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Mikey put in way more work. I just did like kind of mediocre voice work on it. So Mikey did Mikey did the the, the stuff on that. We do have one lined up for next year too. It's gonna be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, and we may try our hand at a Halloween special as well. Yeah. yeah, please go listen to it. It's not. It doesn't have an episode number, but I believe it is the episode right before the last one, which was of yes. course the records of the year so far, featuring Matt Moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. So um, if you want to be a Patreon, please do that. Um, we'll, you got to shout them out. Oh, yeah. We got to shout out our patrons. Patrons! Mike Osborne, Laura Crosby, Kate Neal, Amelia Andrews, Matthew Fisher, Jessica Craig, Mario Cipriano, Christian Purley, Nancy Crozier, Emily Lawson, Jessica DeMarco, Casey Crawford, Brian Stewart, and Tyler Lagasse. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we have recently updated our benefits for our patrons. Um, there is some additional discounts on our merch. Um, there is just some additional things. We have some episodes coming up that are patron specific, um, like a, a roast my playlist episode and uh, a really special one for one of our patrons. that has been around for a little bit of time. So um, we're really excited about those. Yep. Yep. Thank you guys. Um, beyond that, I don't have anything else. So, uh, if you want to find us on the social medias, we are out there mostly on Instagram, um, on I, at, uh, at, I don't want to hear it pod. Um, but you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on all those places. If you want to email us, you can email us at IDWHI podcast at gmail.com, or you can email us at the website at the, the WND press website at wndpress.com. Uh, it's info at wndpress.com is where to, to email us. If you want us to publish your book, uh, your poetry, um, your drawings, we'll do all those things. Yep. Yep. And, uh, go to our website. I don't want to hear podcast.com. Click a link came from the beach. Listen to all our old bands. Follow me at wasteland pod. By the time you hear this season one of wasteland, the re-release will be out. So go listen to it. We'll link it. There's some new episodes. The sounds louder, <laughs> a little better, yeah. a little louder. So hopefully you guys will like that. 
And I guess that's going to do it for us this week. And we will be back next week with a very a special. super awesome episode. Super, I'm so stoked. Super. Uh, a super brava episode. <sighs> so until then. Annihilate this week. And good night, Taco Bell Joe, wherever you are. I hope you had a good Christmas. Oh, buddy, I had the best Christmas. <laughs> you know, I was under my tree. What's that? Tacos. <laughs> well, it sounded like he had a busy Christmas. He was visiting some uh, Norwegian idiot. Oh, I tell you what, I set that guy straight. That's what I did. He was all over the place, buddy, but I, oh, we got to figure it out. He was, uh, you know, he's a good guy, that fog. <laughs> in the context of our episode, not in real life, he's not a not good guy. Not in real life. In real life, he's a horrible person. We but, wrote uh, a great redemption story for him starring the just the, the most wonderful person. That's true. That's absolutely true. So, yes. all right. If only could happen in real life. Yeah, maybe one day. I mean, the the first part of the story too would be fine. <laughs> no, 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 no! <laughs> all right, all right. Bye. bye.